having the people around you to support you and help you grow and potentially open doors for you is, uh, I mean, it's just paramount, you know, and I know the old saying is it's, it's who you know, it's not what you know, but I think the network covers both of those, that you can build your knowledge base through a great network and then you can have that, that group of people that can open doors for you and Welcome to the Find the Gap podcast, where we're going to focus on the health and well-being of the support personnel and practitioners within high-performance sport. This will act as a platform for practitioners to share their own insights and experiences that have helped them progress to where they are today, as well as be a safe environment in which they can touch upon moments of vulnerability and other emotional battles in which they've had to overcome in order to be successful. My name is Sam, and thanks for joining me on the Find the Gap podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Sustainable Sports. Sustainable Sports is an apparel company designed for every athlete. Every piece of apparel is produced and made from recycled plastic bottles, which at the end of the period of use can be returned to be remade into the new model. 80% of discarded textiles can just sit there for more than 200 years, which emits methane, a powerful greenhouse gas that is more potent than carbon. Sustainable Sports looks to be the apparel company that uses 100% recycled polyester fabric to help protect the planet. Their products are designed to look and feel great in order to boost the performance of those wearing them. Sustainable Sports understands the difficulties in community level sports and the struggles that local clubs have to endure throughout the season to get the players on the park. Sustainable Sports is made up of the individuals who are passionate and involved within sports at the grassroots levels. So today I'm going to talk to Coach Nathan Cooper-Brown. So Nathan is a current high performance head coach for country men at Basketball Victoria. He's the assistant coach at uh, Australian men's under-17s team and the head coach at the Sandringham Sabres NBL1 men's program. So Coach Cooper-Brown began his journey uh, pursuing a professional playing career where he did two years of development player with Victorian Titans in the NBL and earned an academic and athletic scholarship at the University of Dominican in California. So now as a coach, he's built himself up to where coaching ranks, uh, working with Basketball Victoria Country, SEABL, uh, Australian Development Camp, Bendigo Spirit with the WNBL and Cairns Taipans of the NBL uh, is now with the Junior National Program. So there's been nothing but more important to him in his coaching career than making and contributing on the court success, uh, developing the best young Australian talents and helping continue the strong positive reputation uh, of Australian basketball around the world. So without any further ado, here's the episode with Coach Cooper Brown. So she's got three kids running around our house at the moment. So uh, yeah, right. I needed the peace and quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all good. Yeah, all right, perfect. Cool. So Sorry. Nathan, mate, thanks for jumping on, mate. How you doing? I'm good, Sam. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Um, just to get us rolling, do you want to just start talking about uh, where you are at the moment and maybe some educational background, how you got to be where you are as well? Yeah, sure. Uh, came through playing basketball. That was that was my main sport uh, growing up, and yeah, really enjoyed my journey and, and got to play some really high levels with some really cool people and for some cool people. Um, took me overseas, played some college basketball in the states, um, uh, and all the way through, um, definitely had um, the notion that I was going to be a better coach than I was a player. Uh, and so retired pretty early, retired at about 24, I think I was. Uh, I took some time away from the game to do some traveling and study and, yeah, some different things and gain some life experiences, which is really valuable and enjoyable. And then um, always kind of had the, the itch and, and the, the love and the passion for the game um, and um, had stayed in touch with coaching high school basketball and yeah just hit a point where I thought oh no this is this is what I'm supposed to be doing and and I had been high school teaching and done some primary school teaching and um, that definitely helped with the motivation to be more involved in um, in coaching and uh, yeah went to to a friend who's become my mentor and just said yeah no this is this is what I'm supposed to do and really jumped on the um, the, jumped into the investment of trying to be um, the best coach that I could at the highest level that I could. 
Um, so currently I'm the uh, high-performance head coach for country men for Basketball Victoria, um, the assistant coach for Australia's under-17 uh, men's team, uh, and I'm the head coach of the San Rian Sabres uh, NBL1 men's team, um, in, which is you know our second division um, in the pro league here, here at home. So um, it's happened quickly. It's been a lot of fun. And, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky to, to do what I love. Um, it's a real gift. So you've got your hands full, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, wow. And you said you were a collegiate athlete. Um, yeah. Yeah, studying over in America and, and playing at the same time. Uh, do you want to just touch a bit on that? Like what was like at that age to, to travel overseas, go away from home, go into like an unknown environment and literally live and play sport there? Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Um, it was something that um, was a really big goal for me growing up. And, and it's, I mean, it still is now, like obviously dealing with a lot of athletes that want to go through that pathway, but um, especially back then, you know, because it had such a strong tie to the NBA and like any young basketballer, I thought that's where I was, was going to end up. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I had quite a few offers, but as they got um, more real and more tangible, it actually, I realised I was probably a little bit more inclined to stay at home. I was a little bit more scared of taking that leap um, than I'd originally thought I was. And, and I had some good pathway stuff here through um, state competition in the NBL. Um, but then uh, one of my best friends, he uh, ended up getting a scholarship to this particular university, had a good first year. Uh, coach said, got any more Aussies? And he said, yep, I know the guy. And, uh, and they jumped on the phone and, you know, it, it was pretty rapid. I was, I was in the Bay Area. Um, a few months later. So I went to a school just over the Golden Gate Bridge in Marin County um, called Dominican University of California. I was an NAIA school at the time. It's a NCAA Division II school now, um, but it had a really good basketball program, even though it was a small university. It was in a fantastic area um, of the States and obviously in California. Um, and what I found out quickly was how much I loved the experience have to work through um, more traditional independent um, situations like doing your own laundry and sourcing food to more advanced ones in being in a college environment where you got a, you got a, lot, you know, a lot of young people um, trying to work out who they are and having arguments and falling in love and trying to get jobs and all those different sorts of things. And um, it was just fantastic. Um, but which in contrast was, yeah, it was just quite ironic, sorry, that it was end up being a basketball that I didn't enjoy, but being there as, as a person and, and creating friendships and going through all that was, was really incredible. Mm. So you, you mentioned how you like, you, as you went on, the basketball was the, the hard part of the, the experience, but what would you say that you learned, you know, what did you learn over there as a collegiate athlete that helped you now as a coach? Um, straight away, tactically, funny enough, technically and tactically was, I, uh, as a coach, I want players to enjoy playing for me and I want them to enjoy their basketball. Like that was just such a huge takeaway that the way that our coaching staff, um, decided to train us, you know, it's, it's no right or wrong. You know I mean? They were just trying to do what they thought was best, which, like their philosophy was to, to drill us till we could hardly stand up and then we would play basketball with the idea being that, you know, they were trying to get us to simulate the fourth quarter as much as possible where we were really tired and, and we had to try and be successful in those moments. Um, but for me, you know, doing an hour, hour and a half, two hours of backboard taps and defensive slides and all these sorts of things, you know, to, to get through actually just play the game that I loved um yeah it just seemed counterintuitive and and it was the big part that just drove me away from the game mm. and so as soon as I got into coaching I made a promise that you know I wasn't going to do that 
um, that I was going to make it as enjoyable as I could. And it didn't matter what level, whether I'm coaching guys in the NBL or, or coaching under 12s, um, the, game, the game needs to be fun, needs to be enjoyable. Um, in terms of off the court, trying to think a little bit more before I spoke. Um, one of the best examples, and I, I know I'll, I'll remember it to the day I die, is I was in the back of one of the buses and we are off on a road trip and I remember being in the very back and my head coach was driving and I was just using some filthy language and just talking really, really inappropriately, you know, as, as a lot of <laughs> young men do, I guess. And my coach just looked at me through the, um, through the rear view mirror and just kind of screamed. And I was like, hey, you know, like cut it out. Mm. I'm sure his language was probably a little bit different to that too, but <laughs> it was enough. <laughs> it was enough to just rifle through me of like, oh, man, like, wow, I, I, the way I was speaking then was just really, yeah, just really awful. I just didn't need to speak that way, especially as, as a young adult. And so, yeah, just trying to get to a place where I was a little bit more thoughtful about what I was saying, who I was saying it to, and, and who could hear me. Yeah, for sure. Well, moving on from that, mate, what would you say that, and I don't want you to just be basketball because I know basketball is a huge passion of yours, but what would you say that you're very passionate about? Uh, my family definitely comes first. I'm really, really lucky to have a beautiful wife from New Zealand and is as unsporty as you can um, imagine. And so we, I get a really great balance at home of being able to invest in different aspects of life um, that aren't sport and, um, yeah, the, the fact that she offers that to me and, you know, all the, the unconditional love and support she gives me is fantastic. Love her for that. And, uh, and then, uh, yeah, and then we have a, a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter and um, she's my world. It's, yeah, just every day with her is incredible as she grows and becomes her own person it's really yeah it's it's awesome um outside of that i'm i like i like sport i like losing myself in something bigger than, than myself i like the romantic side of sport and following teams and investing in them and you know riding the highs and lows with with the teams and with supporters and then probably a little bit more philosophically would be helping people Mm -hmm. um and and that's one of the the main reason that i coach is is those moments of seeing those guys either go on to the thing that they've been wanting to go on and do or, or have those eureka moments um and that's definitely what drives me is is the passion to help people in that way well on that what is what does the uh the bronze medal mean to you from the boomers <laughs> It's really hard to describe, but I tell you, uh, I, I was crying. Yeah. I really was. Uh, I cried when we won. I cried when Patty got interviewed. Mm -hmm. I cried when Gazy, you know, kind of, you know, recapped it yeah. on the show, you know, in, in such a, an unrehearsed, passionate speech, you know, where he's talking about his dad. Um, yeah, everyone in the community is so invested in basketball, but in playing it the right way, in enjoying it, in it being something that provides people with joy and to see a group of guys and coaches that have been in our sport for a long time, that are really high character people, um, that play it the right way for them to be the ones to do it first was incredible hmm. um to see the way that they did it was incredible and there's a real ripple effect in our community right now of of what that is and and to the people that have that do have their fingerprints on it you know we're really grateful and thankful to everybody that's been a part of this thing and i know for me it was it was just huge i just yeah i'm, I'm trying to do my best to articulate what it means but yeah. it's it's pretty special you're not alone there, I think. I think a lot of people are, are finding it hard to just put into words, but it is, you know, even just a bronze medal, which I think to people outside of the sport, 
think is you know third place or just you know a medal is a medal and it's immense you know what i mean yeah. it is immense yeah so that's it that's awesome mate but I, I wanted to touch upon um what you think the the term work ethic means for yourself you want to give me a little bit of a spill on that work ethic yeah work ethic work ethic um yeah work ethic defining it to me um yeah i mean i think it it's a combination of attention to detail and passion yeah it's it's taking your passion and it's and it's putting it into practice and it's having um specific you know goals and um tasks and strategies are uh, around achieving it so um work ethic to me is more more than just going and doing it you know and and going and doing it maybe at a rate faster or harder than someone else i think mm-hmm. work ethic is about understanding what you're being asked to do and then having yeah the passion and the strategies to go and achieve it you know um in the best way possible yeah really good answer i love that when you jumped from or when you jumped into the the national league into the the under 17s um australian team did you feel at any stage you know the common term of uh imposter syndrome did that ever come into your into your head like you're a bit nervous on your abilities at all or yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, it's really interesting because um, I was thinking about this earlier, um, um, especially when I'm in that environment, that Australian environment, because um, my, my ultimate dream is to coach the Boomers to a gold medal in the Olympics. Like that's my kind of transactional um, goal. Um, obviously, the transformational is, is helping people. So when I'm really fortunate to be in those green and gold environments. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, so I'm, I'm working really hard in, in, on one side to, to use my knowledge and my experience and my care for the program and the athletes to be the best coach that I can be, you know, and, and that's obviously why I've been asked to be there. But then on the other side is I'm very conscious or I have been in the past, I'm, I'm working through it about what sort of job am I doing, who's watching me and how this is impacting where I want to go. Mm. And so that has been an area that I've had to, I've had to work through myself to try and, yes, yeah, strip away that side, that distraction side and, and focus more on the other side. So um, definitely early on, every time I would make a mistake, um, I would have huge crippling anxiety afterwards of, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. What sort of impact has it had on, on you know, who I am, where I'm trying to go and, and what we're doing with the team? Um, and then, you know, I've been lucky that obviously, you know, time heals all wounds. So the more time I've been around it, the more conversations I've had with the people there and the more I've got to know them, Um you know, the more confidence you get around the fact that, you know, these are guys that believe in you, these are guys that are there to help you and, and they, they have you there for a reason. But um, I'd definitely be lying if, uh, if I said it still doesn't pop up every now and then. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's there and I think most people experience it, especially when, when you get to green and gold and, um, mm. because obviously in our sport of, you know, where we hold that. You know, even with junior national teams, it's um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I love that for sure. Well, how, when you've got a bad day in your own life, if you know you've got a fight with the missus or you're just having a really down day, uh, how do you kind of put that behind you and then go ahead and then deal what's in front of you with you know the boys on the under seventeens or with the MPL squad? How do you kind of put them before your own your own struggles? Have you do you do you find that's hard at all, or can you think of any specific examples of when you, when you've had to do that? Um, it, it used to be harder than it is now. Um, I think I'm both lucky, but, um, I guess, 
Um, I've I've done a good job in um, preparing myself a little bit better now. So it's been an ongoing process. Um, it started with um, establishing my own personal philosophy and my own personal values um, that help kind of control my mindset and and compartmentalize things as I as I go forward. So. Um, for me, my personal philosophy is educate for joy. So the idea is I have the teaching piece, the education piece, and then try and provide joy, which would have the byproduct of success. And then my personal values are joy, awareness, compassion, and grit. Uh, and the reason I bring them up um, especially is um, the awareness piece. And so through um, some mindfulness practice, um, through some self-reflection, just through overall experience, developing self-awareness has been one of the best tools that I've been able to, to, to put in my, in my toolkit um, to help me with those days of, okay, yeah, there has been a fight at home or um, something's happened at work or wherever it is, as to take those moments of where, you know, I may come into a team meeting, I still start things up and then my mind goes to that inc- you know that incident and it's that that mental strength just to grab it you know bring my mind back to the moment um, and and just remember where I am and what I'm trying to do in that you know in the present obviously um, and then I can deal with those other things later um, and uh, yeah that's it's just been incredibly helpful to take the time and invest in those strategies to do that along the way yeah, mate. I love that. And when you're dealing with your um and when you're dealing with the the guys in front of you, uh through your experiences, have you found it easier to pick up on like signs and symptoms of when you know your athletes are feeling down themselves? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, and again, you know, it's um all the experience and the extra time you get with athletes, you know, and, and the fact that I'm a um a full-time coach and I get, you know, coaching opportunities a variety of levels where, you know, so many of our coaches in Australia are volunteers and get less time. Um, you know, that, that's obviously a huge help, but, um, yeah, it's for me, you know, it starts when, you know, you're invested in your athletes and, and, you know, you're building those relationships because once you you get to know those guys that little bit better, um, the signs become you know, even greater. And so, um, you know, for me, that's you know, coaching is so much about relationships. So I try and do that straight away to help me in those instances. Um, big pickup signs for me: um, uh, distancing, you know, when guys are just kind of pulling away, you know, less conversations, back of the line. Um, we're in a group huddle. They're trying to physically remove themselves. That's always one that we um, that we look out for. Their demeanour is a big one. You know, that's an obvious one. Slouching, head down, quiet talking, um, those sorts of things. And then probably one of the biggest ones for me has been frustration. And you know, especially if it's a an athlete that we know is usually got a pretty calm head. Um, you know, quick snap temper, frustration, and and not necessarily frustration with um, you know them talking about maybe what's happened, being frustrated. Oh, hey, I had a bad day at home, so I'm frustrated. It's like I can't hit a shot today, so I'm really ticked off. But at the end of the day, okay, well, it's not really about you missing these shots. It's it's obvious that you know that something else has triggered you. Um, and, you know, we, we try and get into it and address that and support the athletes when we can. Yeah, that was formed to my next question was how, how do you go about addressing those? For example, if one guy is really frustrated because he can't hit three throws or he's just, he looks physically frustrated on the court, how do you address that? Yeah, I mean, again, it starts with the relationship piece. You know, um, if, if I've done a good job of establishing um, you know, those strong bonds, um, it's a lot easier to have um, honest and open discussions, um, you know, pretty much straight away. You know, you can get to the meat of things pretty early. Mm. Um, if I haven't got that, 
um, it just it has to be more time spent in um, proving to these guys or this particular athlete how much I care for that for them as a person mm-hmm. um, and that I'm here to support them beyond basketball. Yeah. Um, um, but obviously, let's say in this instance that I do have a good relationship with that person, um, it's trying to get them to a safe space. You know, obviously, it's not something that most people like to deal with you know, in front of people. So can I, can I pull them aside and just check in to begin with? You know, hey, mate, how's things? How's life? Yeah, how are you going at home? Um, you know, in that instance, I'm, I'm pretty lucky um, that most of my athletes, whether they're senior men or, or youth athletes, are, have been pretty open with me and, and they'll talk about um, what's been bothering them. If uh, they haven't, um, then I try and do a little bit more investigation and try and get a little bit more information maybe from some people that, that know them. Um, you know, I can talk with some club coaches or um, I'll even check in with some other athletes. So I don't put the other athletes in a position where they feel like they're, you know, tattling on their mate or anything like that, but it's just more some backgrounds like, oh, hey, you know, how is, how is Timmy, you know, things been going okay? Oh, coach, you know, I think his mum and dad are, going, you know, are talking about splitting up, you know, so it may just be something there that we're able to, um, to get some information on that can help us go back and, and deal with it. Something that's been incredibly beneficial for us this year at Barcelona Victoria is we had um, on staff uh, a third, third party person in Frank Arcego, so who's a former um, coach with the AAS basketball program and does a lot of work in um, the mental wellbeing space. And so it was one of those things that by having that extra support network, if the player didn't feel comfortable talking to me, and especially with the younger guys, um, you know, through our our pathway stuff with BV, you know, who look at me as, um, you know, that that guy that kind of has their career, you know, has their career in their, in in my hands, so to speak. Like, you know, you don't necessarily want to tell that guy that you're struggling because you don't want to miss out on a state team or whatever it is. And obviously that's not how things work, but yeah, that's how these young guys think Um, to say, Hey mate, here's Frank's phone number. Here's his email address. Looks like you're having a really tough day. Um, I'm here to support you. If you don't feel like talking to me, here's Frank and he's, you know, he's available. And we've had a really good success rate of, of guys yeah, just being able to jump on the phone and go and talk to him um, and, uh, and address what, what needed to be addressed. So, um, yeah, sorry, that was a really long, long no, answer. but um, really good answer. I want to move on to now a concept that uh, uh, a coach or a, a guest talked about on my other episodes was the, the, uh, the idea of saying no in the industry. So uh, if I can think of an example as an athlete, uh, ben Simmons saying no to the Olympic squad because he had his own stuff going, had to prepare for the, the league, had a big season, you know, questions about him mentally as well because of how the season ended, you know, that's all up in the air. But anyway, that's an example. But how you as a coach throughout the industry, have you learned the importance of saying no, you know, to order to benefit your own kind of mental well-being? Um. I understand the benefit. Have I learnt it? Uh, probably not yet. Um, and my wife would attest to that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, look, saying no can be a game changer. Um, and especially with coaches where, you know, 95% of us, you know, get into the profession to, to help people and to be available to people and, um, and really enjoy getting people better. Um, you know, once people understand that, they, they're very quick to, to, to jump on that and, and utilise people for that reason. Um, and, yeah, days can get long and, and phones can keep ringing and emails keep coming. And, you know, if you, if you don't have that ability, um, it can definitely take its toll on, on you as a person, take your toll on your marriage and all sorts of things. And, um, it is definitely something that I'm still still trying to, to, to get better at. 
um, uh, and like one one tactic that we used, my wife found out that I could have a, a second phone for for this job with BV, and she highly recommended that I take it so that it could be turned off at you know whatever it may be five or, or five thirty and um, yeah and just try and, and separate lives a little bit so um, I think more coaches need need the ability to say no I think more coaches need support from people above and below them um, to, to have the confidence and the and and strength to say no um, because it yeah because it can be the difference like one one no could be the difference between a good and bad day yeah well that's it's because it's a very it's a very um, heated debate in a way because you could you could commend the coach who says yes to everything and, and who wants to do as much as he possibly can because he wants to stay after training he wants to do that extra bit the athlete and everything but if you're getting to that kind of high level it gets to the point when you're you know putting your relationships at risk you know sometimes um, so it's 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 very it's it's interesting to see different people's perspectives on that because it is so you never never find this real balance you've got like it's a continuous pendulum kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then I think too with with coaches, you know, similar to my position, um, I know there's a, a really talented coach who's on his way to, to the NBL, a young guy who I'm friends with. Um, you know, when you don't have necessarily have a, a let's say a wife or a family, and you know you're so invested in moving forward in your career and you have the extra time to, to be more yes orientated, um, you know, you're building habits around, you know, giving yourself up to, to more and more things so that when the time comes to say no, it's that much more difficult. Mm. So I think the earlier you can develop that skill, the better. But I really do think that, yeah, you know, managers and assistant coaches and the people around those people to have the awareness to say, Hey, it's okay for you to say no sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then for my next question, I want to know, are you, and or have you been someone that puts others before yourself at your own risk? Yeah, very much so. Um, it's, it's definitely, yeah. Like I said before, it's definitely something I'm still working through. You know, I've got the work phone that switches off, which is a lot of Basel Victoria-based stuff, but then my personal phone has the Sabres on it or has WhatsApp on it. And as much as I've turned the phone off as a gesture to the family, you know, and it, it, it pings and I see that it's the Oz staff or I see that it's, um, you know, one of my athletes from the NBL1 team, the inclination is still to pick up the phone and... Mm. Um, and address whatever issue it is um, and, you know, and it could still be at the dinner table sometimes. It could be while we're trying to watch a movie as a, as a family and, you know, I'll, I'll, get, um, I'll get the stern look or whatever it is and, and this is, you know, this is not me yeah. ragging on my wife or anything like that. You know, the fact that she does that is fantastic, you know, that she's helping me understand, you know, that it's family time and that's what needs to be prioritised. Um, you know, but then I'll I'll try and do some things where I can be a little bit better in communication around, you know, early on when my wife and I got together, um, you know, I would give her, you know, I'm, I'm at camp and the camp runs from, you know, 9 till 9 a.m. till 4 a.m., you know, on a Saturday in Bendigo. But, you know, I've got to be there at quarter to eight because the coaching meeting starts at eight. And then I, I'm not going to leave till 4.30, quarter to five, because I'll have multitude of parents come up after the camp and want to talk about their child or, or wherever we're at. And, um, and, and being a coach is important to make yourself available to those things. Um, so I, I want to do that. And that's me, you know, continuing to say yes. But finding the balance is just being a better communicator and saying, you know, to, to whoever it is, you know, whether it's my family, you know, my, my parents because I'm coming around for dinner after the camp or whatever it may be that um, mm. I'm going to be home at six. I'm not going to be home at five because I need to make myself available there. 
Yeah, yeah I get you. I get you. Well, what would you say that you're struggling with the most now? Um, yeah, it has a lot to do with COVID, but I know it'll always be something that'll be there. Um, it's just magnified because of COVID. Um, it's kind of task versus time for me. And um, I love I love investing in coaching. I love learning my craft. You know, I love listening to a podcast or reading an article or um, writing a policy or a procedure or a manual or whatever it may be that that's going to you know um, get get me better, which is going to obviously get my coaches and, and my players better and our programs better. Being at home, especially having to work from home and and being like, oh great, I could start this five out motion document that I really wanted to write, and then twenty minutes into it you know my little one wants to play play-doh and you know it's it's the the value of spending time with my little one playing play-doh is obviously way more important than me writing a document on um you know five out motion but still my coach brain is like oh man you know i can't believe i don't get to use this time to go and do that so i'm really wrestling with that at the moment is, is just trying to be the the coach that I want to be and, and maximize the time to maybe take on some projects and some different things that would be really valuable um, compared to, yeah, spending the, the quality time with my family or, or even just some downtime and resting because of how intense my jobs are when, you know, when life is, is normal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's not like, that's uh, a feeling to be to be shunned upon. Like you know, you're you're with your family and you think in the back of your head, thinking, oh, I could use this time to be doing something else. But it's the fact that you're at home. It's not like you're going to the stadium. You're not going to the facility. You're there from the start. You're finished. That's it. I get to go home now to my family. Like you're you're at home trying to be productive. Something kind of interrupts it. You're thinking, oh, I should be I should be dedicating a little bit. I would have been doing this if I wasn't in COVID. If I wasn't in lockdown. You got this overproductive kind of mindset or these expectations. It's the struggles of lockdown. It's the struggles of being away from work. Um, and especially when you have a little one, which you said is obviously the, the more important thing. It's, it's hard to really silence that voice in the back of your head to say, hey, settle down. She's here. You know, it'll, it'll get done, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is. And, uh, uh, you know, the, the key word, productive, you know what I mean? Like I... I, I love the days that I can, you know, put my head on the pillow and, and know that I was productive and that I did whatever it was, you know, whether it was have a good session or watch some film or, um, yeah, write something up or, you know, whatever the task was. And when I don't have those days, yeah, I mean, the voice can get louder and louder if the, if the days continue to roll into one. But, yeah, I, I don't think it's something I'll ever probably quite master um but uh, at least i'm i guess i'm probably having better days than i used to have yeah which right. i think is positive you know yeah for sure it's like little steps forward where would you say that you're either recently or in your past throughout your career where have you felt the most vulnerable Yeah, I think it'd probably have to be those elite environments with the imposter syndrome. Like that's where I get really, I feel most exposed where I'm because I'm so conscious of where I want to go and what I'm trying to do while at the same time trying to be the best coach. And obviously the best coach for me is investing in whatever task is being asked of me, usually you know, making the athletes the best version of themselves. And so when I'm in that, I yeah feel very exposed in in those moments and and you know lots going on and and so just trying to to narrow my focus a little bit in those environments uh, are key and then I'll also I think too you know sometimes it can be just in a social gathering or um, environment where whether I'm, I'm with a lot of 
really experienced people or coaches or successful people and sometimes like whoa can't believe I'm here and I'm I'm conscious I think it's Kevin Eastman who says um, big eyes big ears small mouth so that's where I'm I'm conscious of you know the environment I'm in and I don't need to talk in this this one I can just listen and um, try and reduce the vulnerability or that sense of you know exposure um, that way Mm. Yeah, for sure. And do you feel like if you're in those kind of vulnerable situations, you're lacking a lot of confidence or do you feel like now you've grown, you can you can kind of tap into that confidence now to overcome it? Yeah, the confidence has definitely come with experience that, and, you know, and, and that's a gift, you know what I mean, when you do get the opportunity to keep going back and be in those environments and spend more time with those people that obviously you become more and more comfortable and, and you have better and better days and, and the better days, um, you know, stack on top of one another and, you know, and it builds from there. Um, self-reflection has been important too. Every now and then, you know, you you got to update your resume or something like that and just having those moments of kind of reading through and it's like, oh, crap, actually, you know, I've been really lucky. I've, you know, I've done some cool things and I've been around the game for a while and I've been around the game at, you know, at some some really high levels and you know this is not me just showing up for the first time like it's it is a, a series of events that have got me there and um and that's that's just so helpful mm. in the end is is just remembering and and reflecting and being like oh yeah i had this good day here and we had some success there and you know that player is now at that level um it's happened in the past. There's no reason why it can't happen in the future. 100%. Yeah. Would you feel like your ambitions as a person would change if you only had a year to live? No. Still be the best husband, dad, and coach that I can be. Yeah, 100%. Would you feel, you know, not going to spend the rest of your time in Greece or everything? You'd still like try and would you change how you act or? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind coaching in Barcelona. Um, so if that could if that could be the year, I, I would take that. Um, I would definitely try and expose myself to more things, people and and the world, and and especially share more global experiences with my wife and my daughter. But um, it would still be trying to help people be the best version of themselves. It would be trying to you know bring the best life to to my wife and to my little one. Perfect, man. Perfect. Um, next question. Would you try and find a skill or an ability that you've had in the past that you've purposely oversold or overestimated people? Uh, no. No, I haven't. Um, and the reason I say that is just because I've gone through the process and been really systematic in a way that I've gone through my coaching and researched coaching and spent time with coaches that allows me to be as concise with um, with advice and recommendations to help to help coaches or whoever needs it um, with with that best um, strategy to move forward whatever skills they may need in, in, uh, in that moment in time. Okay. And uh, last one of these quick fire questions, mate, is can you think of an embarrassing event that has happened to you that has had a massive and permanent effect on you, whether it be a, uh, a, a good permanent effect or a bad effect? Can you think of one? Yeah. Um, Probably the biggest one for me, especially professionally, was um, the Cairns Taipans uh, went through the process of hiring an assistant coach. Uh, wasn't their first choice, but they did get to me, and it was fantastic that uh, that I was considered for that level. And it's obviously a stepping stone, and I accepted the job before thinking mm. and. And doing the pros and cons and working out what sort of impact this is going to have on myself and my wife at the time and, and so on. And, and, and then it ended up being where I said yes and 
and I had to go back and say no, and then they changed the role for me to do it more remotely. I said yes, and then in the end, it, that still wouldn't work, so I had to go back and say no again, and there were some other things around that um, that just, yeah, I just it was, it was incredibly embarrassing to, to conduct myself that way as a professional um, to put that strain on a relationship with the head coach at the time who I, I have so much time and respect for. Um, and I was, yeah, I was really, really embarrassed of what that did to me as a person and as a coach um, and won't forget that one and keep it in the forefront of my mind as I make professional decisions going forward. 100%. Good, Good answers, mate. I like that. Um, and now for the probably the biggest question of the day uh, and being a dad yourself, or hopefully you've got experience in doing this. Uh, what's your best dad joke? Uh, to be honest, I had to look, I had to look this up because I was trying to think I just don't have one off the cuff. I'm, I'm more of a movie quote guy. So, That's fine. Um, but, but I found one um, because uh, I really like golf. I'm trying to, trying to get more into my golf to, to, have some serene moments out on the fairways and, and to just have some time for me. So, um, yeah, I, I like this one. So why do fathers take an extra pair of socks when they go golfing? I don't know. In case they get a hole in one. <laughs> I'll give you that one. You've done a bit of research. Okay. You've done well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, now too, I, I, I felt um, I felt like a dad card needed to be taken away from me that I just didn't have any go-to dad jokes. So I'll um, I'll make sure I improve in that area. If you are, if you're a regular listener, if you listen to the episodes I posted and a few in the in the future, you'll you'll hear plenty. Uh, so you might be able to add up a, a short bank, and maybe if you're the the first uh, double guest out on the show, you might um, uh, maybe get time to just review your craft and dad jokes and come back that <laughs> on i like it i like it. yeah in saying that that was a good one i like that it was good thanks i'll add that and i'll, I'll now make that my my go-to one <laughs> and i respect you did some research which is good <laughs> um mate just to finish up did you want to give any kind of advice for up-and-coming coaches that might be coming out of a junior team or maybe some of them coming out of uni um just to, off the top of your head uh yeah absolutely um, big one is build your network. Um, and I know coaches would, would hear that a lot, but, um, at the end of the day, um, having the people around you to support you and help you grow and potentially open doors for you is, uh, I mean, it's just paramount, you know, and I know the old saying is it's, it's who you know, it's not what you know, but I think the network covers both of those that you can build your knowledge base through a great network and then you can have that that group of people that can open doors for you and and I include getting a mentor in that network um shout out to my to my mentor um I've got a lot but my main mentor is Laurie Chiswick um and for those that don't know Laurie please go and, and research her um you know what she's been for me as a mentor as a friend a confidant um I wouldn't be where I am as a coach without her um, and so I, I highly recommend that for, for any of those coaches looking to, to move through the pathway. Um, know your stuff, you know, make, make knowing your craft your point of difference. You know I mean? Go and make sure that you're the person that, that can answer those questions, that you can be in a room and if somebody asks, hey, what do we do here, that, that you have that background knowledge. And probably the last it would be just make sure you enjoy yourself make sure you're having fun in this thing because um not to get too dad on it but it's so much about the journey that is the destination and and i'm learning that right now that my whole thing was about you know going and and coaching the boomers to their first medal which has now been done and you know now in my head you know i'll be the first gold medal but yeah, you know, at the end of the day like what am i doing after that like i you know does do i stop coaching at that point no it's it's every day that, you know, I, I had a young 
player just recently make a, an Oz camp and, and the time that we've spent together and working towards that goal and, and just that day to, to hear the elation in his voice, you know, about going to that Oz camp. And, you know, that's so enjoyable. And, and, um, and I can't take that for granted on, on, because I'm trying to get somewhere else, you know I mean? That's, that's the fun part. So please make sure you enjoy it. 100%. Just to, again, to finish off, what, where would be the best place to reach out to yourself, mate, if people want to get in touch with you or uh, what, what's next for you? Have you got tournaments coming up or what's going on? Yeah, um, it's been really tough. We've had, obviously, with COVID, we had a lot of things taken, taken off the board. You know, we were supposed to go to Asia Cup in um, Iran. Um, we were supposed to have under-16 nationals. That's currently... Um, been moved to, to Darwin. So we're hopefully going to get that later in the year. Um, but we're in a transition period of where this high-performance pathway calendar is kind of wrapping up and then we're moving into the new one. So we'll have some selection camps and things coming up. Um, they're trying to get a national performance camp at the IAS off the ground. So hopefully we can get some, some good COVID news and, and get to, to all those sorts of things, um, which will be really exciting because, yeah, just – be good to get back on floor um, as much as possible. Um, yeah, get in contact with me. Um, can email me at nathancb at basketballvictoria.com.au. So all one word, all lowercase. Uh, and then I'm on Twitter at coachncb. And, um, yeah, always here to, to help coaches um, or athletes in any way that I can and, and support people and, yeah, hopefully help them achieve their dreams. Perfect. Mate, uh, really appreciate your time and having a chat with me. Respect everything you said. and got a lot out of it. Um, and I hope everyone else that had to listen to it will get something out of it as well. But that's what we've got time for today. So uh, like I said, mate, appreciate your time and uh, I'll speak to you soon. Hey, this was fun. I uh, really appreciate what you're doing. And yeah, best of luck with the pod and, and everything else and hopefully get a chance to speak soon. So thanks to Nathan for jumping on as a guest. I really enjoyed having a chat with him. I enjoyed speaking about his experience as a collegiate athlete over in America. Uh, We touched upon points on the basketball community here in Australia and how together involved and dedicated everyone is within the community to be able to make it such an enjoyable atmosphere, um, especially touching on the Boomers just winning their first Olympic bronze medal. We talked about work ethic and what that word means to him, uh, his importance of family time and what he at the moment is struggling with of his uh, task versus time, he says. Uh, And then his advice at the end with regarding building your network and knowing your craft. Again, huge insights within the industry there. So stuff to really take out of this episode. Um, So if anything today has triggered you, anything within you, your neuron and mental health, uh, please feel free to get in contact with myself or Nathan. You can see all his contact information in the show notes. Um, But for now, that's all we have time for. So I will speak to you guys next week.